Did the Celtics crush the NBA draft or just bore us all to death? We explore Brad Stevens' third draft with the C's. We are just hours away from NBA free agency. Will our rivals reload? Does Grant Williams stay or go? And much of Celtics Nation is still smarting from the gut punch Brad Stevens gave us by dealing away Marcus Smart. But without our heart and soul, can we still compete for the chip in 24? Don your Celtics, Kelly Green. Pop a cold one and get into a comfortable chair. You are in Lucky's Lounge. Let's go. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge, the official home of unhealthily fanatical Boston Celtic fans. I'm Captain Ron Flanders, joined by my good friend Guillermo Diaz. And Guillermo, I think, you know, our, our analytics, podcast analytics program show that at about 22 minutes or whatever it was, I drew the ire of about half of New England based upon the rumor we saw of Malcolm Brogdon going away for Kristaps Porzingis. I said that Peyton Pritchard and, yes, Marcus Smart were safe. And wouldn't you know it, the Clippers forever condemned me to Celtic fan purgatory because now I'm the guy that cost us Marcus Smart. Yeah, man, we thought it was a done deal uh, with Brogdon. Um, And then that broke through and the Clippers didn't want Brogdon. And we had to stay up till midnight to see what Brad had up his sleeve and little to be known. It was your guy, Marcus Smart going out the door. You and I were both awake, like all Celtic diehards. Well, we only got to wait till midnight to see what happens, but seeing that Woj bomb, I mean, literally I couldn't breathe for about 30 seconds. And I think a lot of people in Boston and new England um, felt the same way. It, 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 it was nine years of our lives, no championships, but glorious production, some some memories we will never forget. Uh, he set the tone for us in many, many ways. And to see him go out that door was very, very painful uh, for me personally, for my family, my son and I, we both. Uh, like to wear our Marcus Smart jersey to the Garden. Um, how, how did you feel? I, I literally couldn't breathe. How did you feel when when the news came out? When the news dropped, instantly I fell for you first. Um, <laughs> but no, I overall like looking at it as an NBA perspective. I thought the deal was a solid deal. Of course, I would have rather. The first deal with Brogdon, uh, but the Clippers uh, didn't help us with that. But um, no, that was a huge, my mind was blown just like everybody else. It was a shock. Um, This is something that Brad definitely had to have up his sleeve to be able to move on that quickly to a next deal. Um, And I think not for nothing, but the Ja Morant situation probably helped us um, in this deal to get it done uh, with the urgency that um, it happened with. Well, a great trade for, I think all three teams benefited from the trade, actually, uh, because I think that the point guard the Wizards got is also an up-and-comer. But yeah. the Grizzlies are absolute winners in this deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm going to be the guy to, to try to defend myself, but I, I'm <laughs> very hard on myself. I mean, if I don't eat the right food. I, I'm not one of those people that says, well, if I eat certain foods, the Celtics could lose, you know? So, I mean, certainly me saying that Peyton Pritchard and Marcus Smart and Sam Hauser were safe as a result of this, um, and then having our favorite player and, and who I think is our most important player traded. Yeah. I'm, I'm very hard on myself. And, and I did receive feedback from some of our listeners that it's all your fault. I'm never going to listen again. Um, so we did, we did our first episode, we, what lost, an opening. we lost listeners. I mean, this was worse than like, you know, the, the Ron DeSantis Twitter spaces crash, uh, where cause people, you know, they recovered from that. I don't know if I'll ever recover from this, but we did receive feedback that was kind of like, Hey, Captain Flanders, you know, screwed us out of this and he jinxed us. And, 
And by the way, if you ever want to give feedback, you know where to find us. We're on Twitter at Lucky's Lounge Pod. You can email us at Lucky's Lounge Pod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We will have Celtic fanatics on our show uh, coming forward, especially during the season. We will, Guillermo, have some of that. But we want to hear from you. And and I've already heard from some of you. And all I can say is I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, Looking forward to having more fanatics uh, just like us comment on our lovely Celtics um, throughout the season. And uh, yeah, just what a mind boggling trade. Um, And we're looking forward to seeing Porzingis and how he fits now um, in our Celtic mold and playing and beating against hopefully a two, three zone that we struggled with. And also now it's on the Jays, Jason and Jalen. This is your team. No more scapegoat of Marcus Smart. What can you guys do as all NBA players um, wanting these max contracts? This is your pie. Let's go and get it. Guillermo makes an excellent point because as long as Marcus was the longest tenured guy, I mean, he was a guy that would not only stand in front of Joel Embiid and take that charge, he was also the guy that would stand in, you know, like Brad Stevens, Joe Mazzulla, he would stand there and say, hey, look, I need to do more. It's my fault. Tatum and Brown were still very young players. There's no more excuses for them. They've shipped out their heart and soul. They brought in Porzingis. But now the leadership really has to fall to them, I think, Guillermo. And, and so let's let's break down this trade. I think you, you bring up a great point about the leadership. We were talking about a trade from a Malcolm Brogdon perspective. Brogdon was so good for us. When the Celtics were one of the best NBA offenses in history from October to January, Brogdon was incredible. And he still shot about 44% from three. He was a good scorer, uh, somewhat of a facilitator. And, and we know that he plays good defense as well. He's still around. Marcus Smart is gone, one of the few playmakers on this roster. Can the Celtics make up for what they lost in Marcus Smart? And what does Kristaps Porzingis bring to the table that that no other player in the league, except maybe maybe a future version of Victor Wembeana, can bring? Yeah, I think Derek White brings some of those Marcus Smart intangibles when it comes to playing defense, I mean, he was one of the top three uh, guards in blocks this past year. And definitely, like you said, with Brogdon, he's a good, solid defensive point guard as well. Um, so I definitely think it's going to be a team effort. I don't think anybody, any one player can make up for what Smart brought, especially without knowing if Grant Williams is coming back. As we talked about in the last podcast, he was the one who went head-to-head with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. So knowing that he's out the door, who is going to step up, I think it's going to be a collaborative effort from everybody. That's what we're going to need. That's not something that Jalen usually does or Jason, and definitely not really from Porzingis. So we'll see where where it comes from. You know, my son is – one of these, uh, you know, hot stove guys, like a fantasy basketball guy. He spends a lot of time on Instagram and he likes to, you know, float trade proposals, you know, just hypothetical. And he says, would you trade JT for this guy? Would you trade JT for Jokic? Would you trade Jalen for this guy? And so, you know, we, we like to, I'm I'm not going to anger the fan base any further by, by saying what I said to any of those hypotheticals, but he would always say, would you trade Marcus Smart? for any of these players? Would you trade Marcus Smart for LeBron James? And I would say unequivocally, no, I would not trade Marcus Smart. for him. <laughs> I would not trade Marcus Smart for Anthony Davis. I would not trade him. for. I mean, there was no player in the league that I would trade him for. And that inc- obviously cool. includes Kristaps Porzingis. But as we step back now, after the trade has happened, can we make a defense of Brad Stevens on this? Because let's be honest, as you just mentioned, Derek White, Second team all defense. Marcus Smart, not on the all defensive teams. Marcus Smart, uh, 
I think is now 30 years of age. So he may be, he may have been on the downward slope of his career, right? You could argue that Kristaps Porzingis is still on the upward swing of his career, along with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart, we may have seen his best basketball. Is that is that a valid point here that to be considered? Because, you know, as I said, there's nothing you could tell me about Marcus Smart where I would agree that we shouldn't have him as the centerpiece. But the Celtics had two really good runs, couldn't get over the hump. Something had to be done. And was Marcus past his prime? Yeah, with him being part of the quote-unquote core uh, with Jason and Jalen, we needed a shakeup, and it probably wasn't going to be the Jays. So it had to be smart, unfortunately, and in your part. But I also think injuries started to pile up with smart because of the throwing around of the body that he would do to take the charges, to dive for those basketballs and get the Tommy point. Um, I think those injuries started to linger, whether it was the hip, the ankle, the knee, and we saw it kind of throughout the playoffs. And we always knew he was always going to play. He was going to play through those injuries. But like you said, I think it kind of caught up to him and probably the best basketball was uh, behind him. Now we have somebody who's 27 years old, can grow with the Jays, can split that defense, be that elite third scorer when needed, and take a little less off of the Jays when it comes to that pressure of having to score to be able to maintain the complacency in these games against these other teams. We saw it once that ankle was rolled in game seven, it was all on Jalen and we all thought Jalen was awful that game. But if we had a Porzingis who could score and support that along with White, then we'd be in a better situation. No, absolutely. And, and you know, by the way, I've been – you talk about Tommy points. I think, you know, the NBA Players Association pension, you know, medical plan, I think has a, <laughs> has a thing where, you know, your deductible increases by, you know, $1,000 every Tommy point you get. Um, but that's why we love Marcus Smart. That's why right. certain players become beloved in Boston. They don't have to be superstars. If we're being honest, Marcus is not a superstar. Rajon Rondo was a guy who would sacrifice his body for this team. And there are mm-hmm. some people who will never, ever get over their love affair with Rajon Rondo. James Posey was a guy. Grant Williams is a guy that we love for that. So, I mean, that's absolutely true, but it does have a tendency to shorten your career. Larry Bird could have played a few more seasons if he wasn't throwing his body around. And and famously, you know, Artis Gilmore told him, hey, you know, his rookie season, hey, kid, what are you doing? You know, with your talent, you shouldn't be – you're not going to last very long diving for loose balls like that. And, and Larry was like, look, I, you're crazy. I don't know any other way to play. And that's what Marcus is going to bring – down there in the grindhouse. And and I think, you know, we can, if we're back in the finals this year, you know, we might expect to see the Grizzlies there if, if they, if they can remain healthy and, and uh, out of the police blotter, um, Marcus Smart is going to do wonderful <laughs> things for them. Yeah, definitely could see him in the finals or see him go deep in the playoffs. I think that's definitely a player that fits their mold, that grit and grind. That's definitely who he is and definitely what they probably needed this past playoffs with Dylan Brooks being a no-show. Um, that team, I think, just like you said, it definitely got better. I think it worked on all parties with Porzingis here, Smart there, and with the Wizards getting a couple picks and a buyout with Gallinari. I think it worked out for everybody. A lot of people wondering what the hell are the Wizards doing, right? I mean, did they not know that Wembiana was in this year's draft, you know, or did they think he was in next year's draft? Because because they're essentially, it looks like they're getting ready to tank. Um, and if you're, you know, I know Guillermo is. You're in my fantasy basketball league. We we may try to take a flyer on Jordan Poole because he's going to get a lot of volume statistics, but they're not going to be very good next year. And yet they're clearing the decks 
and they're going to try to, you know, maybe take the Danny Ainge approach, which is acquire assets, get rid of bad contracts or acquire bad contracts along with draft picks and just build assets. They know that, you know, they probably, they have a new GM this year. And so they hung on to Bradley Beal a little too long. And, and so they're, they're starting over. So they got some good things. Let's talk about what it does for us. We talked about what we lost. Kristaps Porzingis has not been a very durable guy. I've been on the internet trying to figure out where I could find, you know, seven feet three worth of bubble wrap to, to, you know, <laughs> wrap him up. And, and, you know, I don't think we should try to play him 82 games. I don't think we should try to play him 70 games. Try to get him around where he was this year. Definitely do not play him against the Grizzlies either time. Cause I don't think that's <laughs> fair to him for two reasons. One, I don't think he can handle the physical rigors of being guarded by Steven Adams or Marcus Smart. And two, Marcus is going to lock him up. Yeah, I also Triple J, um, Jaron Jackson is definitely a heck of, a heck of a defender. Mm-hmm. So I just think it'll work out because we have Allen Rob. If you interchange those three and a fourth big, whether Cornette comes back or whatever else Brad has up his sleeve. As long as we interchange them and give them nights off and take care of their minutes throughout the year, I think we'll be fine. As long as we treat it like a Rob situation and manage everything, I think the injuries won't pile up and we can prolong it throughout the long 82 uh, game season with now the in-season tournament that's coming. So that way, when the playoff time comes, we're locked and loaded, ready to go. I am knocking on wood as you say that. And I, I think it's clear now the Celtics are going to go back to double big. And that means that Porzingis, who at $36 million a year, he's going to be a starter, could could be on the court with Maybe Al or maybe Rob, but you would definitely always have a stretch five out there. And then you could have somebody like Rob who is, or a stretch four, who's either six, nine or seven, three. And then Rob Williams is out there just roaming around, um, making tip back dunks, uh, getting alley-oops on the pick and roll and, you know, defensively roaming, maybe not necessarily guarding their, their big. Uh, but but being there to play weak side help and block shots. And then that gives Jalen Brown the opportunity to play the two where he can just physically manhandle Correct. you know smaller guards in the post and not have Derek White and Marcus Smart or Brogdon and Smart. So in, in many ways, we're better offensively and we're better defensively if the health holds. And I'm I'm very curious to see how Joe Missoula with Sam Cassell and and his new coaching staff, how they manage this. I like the versatility it brings. Brad even has said in some interviews, he could play the five. He may even for a few minutes play the three. So like we have all these possibilities to throw out there, all these different lineups. I'm just excited to see it all on the court and see how they all mesh together. Well, as we said last week, the Celtics are not done. When we come back for our second segment, we'll discuss draft night where Brad Stevens made multiple trades to try to preserve some flexibility for this season and adding a very intriguing piece for the future. We'll talk about Brad Stevens draft. When we come back, you are listening to Lucky's Lounge, the official podcast for Celtics Fanatics. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge with Captain Ron here and Guillermo. And we just, before we get started on the draft, Guillermo, I want to thank everybody for listening. And we are pretty much, you could be listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, you know, iHeartRadio, we're, we're pretty much everywhere. But I want to thank you for listening. 
And I hope that you have subscribed and you have liked us and give us a five-star rating. And please tell your friends about this podcast if you can ever forgive me for saying that about Marcus Smart. And, uh, you know, if you are a Celtics fanatic and you know some, please help spread the word. Now, the draft. Guillermo, you are in Massachusetts. I am in the central time zone. So it wasn't midnight or one in the morning when the draft ended here. I know, you know, you were, I don't think you had to work the next day, so you you might not have been uh, like a lot of Celtic fans sitting there going, come on, come on, because we thought our draft night would be over in the first round. Brad Stevens had other ideas. Yeah, wow. What a a Bill Belichickian draft that (laughs) Brad had there. I like the move moving out of the first round and keeping that mid-level exception availability to, you know, deepen the roster, especially with the thin bench that we have right now. And and I will say, you know, 90% of our listeners know what you're talking about, but just for those that don't know that when you draft a first round pick, first of all, you're committed to, I believe at least two seasons, but more likely three or four for that player. And there is a salary, you know, cap hold for those players. And by trading out of the first round and moving down as far as we did, which we will get into here in a second, the Celtics may have preserved a veterans exception of $5 million that they can add somebody either now in free agency, which we will discuss in our next segment, or you know, around the time of the trading deadline or buyout season, the Celtics will be, they will have the pole position potentially for that with some of these other teams like the Lakers, the Heat, et cetera, et cetera. So Brad may have thought, and maybe he had his eyes on somebody that went in the first 24 picks and he said, all right, let's go with the Belichick move now. But the Celtics made four trades that I'm counting Guillermo on draft night. Yep, so we flipped the 25th pick to Detroit for the 31st and two future seconds, which two second- f- so two future seconds and now we're sitting in the second round with the first pick in the second round, okay? Correct. And then Brad flipped 31 to Charlotte for 34 and 39. Okay. So we still have the two futures, but now we're looking at two second round picks. All right, cool. At that point, I'm like, all right, we've we got some future, and now we're getting, you know, a couple of players. And then Brad flips 34 to Sacramento for 38 and a future second. So now we have three future second-round picks, and we're still getting somebody pretty high in the second round. So at this point, I'm thinking, number one, I need more coffee. Number two... <laughs> We're, Brad must have his eye on somebody there at, you know, 38-ish where we're going to get the player we wanted anyway, but we've now added three future second-round picks. And we still have 38 and 39 at this point. That's correct. And then we finally draft Jordan Walsh from Arkansas at 38. And okay. then go ahead and trade 39 for a future second. Okay, so you know, if we're if we're just recapping this, we traded Marcus Smart for Jordan Walsh, the Golden State Warriors first round pick next year, which is protected as a top four, obviously with their addition of Chris Paul. They're gonna be a playoff team, but maybe, you know, maybe that picks in the twenties and four future second round picks. So Brad Stevens has restocked the cupboard with draft picks, which could be useful if we are still in the trade market. And and you can see how valuable that is if the Celtics want to go all in. Because, you know, we saw this week essentially Danny Ainge getting a very good young player in John Collins for a second round pick, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. And it also helps with like we talked about last podcast, the new CBA. You're gonna need those second round picks to sit on your bench and deepen your roster with low payroll, uh, being able to spend on free agency going forward. The the price point of a second round pick, I I don't know what Jordan Walsh is going to make. I imagine it's probably 
somewhere around half a million dollars a year, whereas the the guy that the Pistons took is going to make probably $2 million a year. So that's significant. And so I can't stress enough how important it was that the Celtics, the Celtics are not in a position. And once we started saying, okay, we're at 38 and 39, I'm thinking we're going to get another Begarin, another Madar overseas draft and stash. But the Celtics elected to take a player who's probably going to be in Maine most of the year. But they also, more importantly, got some money, an exception they can use to get us another piece that we're going to need for depth. And this, because the Celtics, you know, are all about having depth. We have some players in Porzingis and Brogdon that maybe have an injury history, Rob Williams. So we get another piece potentially now, but that doesn't mean Brad's going to use that exception. It means he can use that exception. Yeah, definitely. Jordan Walsh isn't someone we spoke about last week, and I didn't really have him on my radar. But from what I've been reading about him, everybody's kind of raving about him and saying he's sorry, Cap, but he's the second coming of Marcus Smart with his <laughs> defense tenacity. I've seen some highlights from him, and he's a springy guy and has a lot of energy, high motor. So it's something definitely down the line I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to some main highlights, but not someone I see contributing right away. Well, you know, it was we, we have to separate the two. And, and it's not fair to Porzingis or Jordan Walsh to invoke, you know, Marcus's name in this discussion. But you're absolutely right. He, you know, what I like about him is, number one, uh, he, everybody agrees that had he stayed in college for his sophomore year, he's a first round pick. He played for Eric Musselman at Arkansas. That team was a tournament team and they had other players. I think their point guard was taken in the, they had a couple of guards that were drafted in the first round, I believe, but this was the glue guy. This was the Swiss army knife that did everything from taking charges a very versatile defender, a guy that blocks shots from the weak side, does amazing things on the offensive glass at times. He went to the NBA Combine and he wowed people. He 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 filled the stat sheet in the Combine. And I think when this shakes out, it's very possible, you know, in his past drafts, we're like, yeah, Madar, you know, Begarin. We don't know anything about the, those guys. You know, we saw some clips and we're like, okay, the, we like those guys. But Walsh has proven that he's a winner. And when he got to the Auerbach Center and then later on went to a, a community event in Cambridge with, with some kids, he said all the right things. And, you know, he brought his family, his mom and dad, I think his brother, to the Auerbach Center. So the Celtics love this kid. And I think the fans already love him. And he's going to have a little bit of a cult following in the garden. Yeah, correct. I think he's one of the guys that, just like we talked about earlier, may not be an all-NBA player, of course, but he's going to do those little things that we're looking for and getting those Tommy points when he is stepping on the court. He's going to give it his all. He's going to dive for the ball. He's going to play that lockdown defense that we need to stop someone like Duncan Robinson, who is doing backdoor cuts against us. So it's somebody I'm definitely looking forward to. I I think he's has big springs. He jumps out the gym. He is a little lanky. He needs to put on some weight. And he's only 19. He's going to continue to grow and learn and mature with this team. Yeah. You know, one of the things about those backdoor cuts, first of all, it's about discipline. It's about understanding the tendencies of the player that you're guarding. But sometimes it's about length because, you know, if you get it's impossible to anticipate those cuts all the time. You know, it's just like a cornerback a, a guarding a wide receiver. I mean, the DB sometimes has to react. And, you know, Jordan Walsh is only six, seven, but he has a seven foot three inch wingspan. And sometimes that that's enough to get your hand down there and deflect that bounce pass or, or even steal it. And, uh, you know, some of the highlight clips we saw, he was doing that. 
So he's athletic, he's long, he's humble. It looks like a guy right out of central casting that, you know, Red Auerbach or, you know, uh, Doc Rivers or Brad Stevens absolutely would have loved, and I think Joe Missoula is going to love him. Yeah, I'm excited with this staff, how they use them, where they put them. And like you said, those backdoor carts are hard to gauge, especially with the shooter like Duncan Robertson is. I'm just excited to see how he fits with the team and if they do end up using him this season on the court. Yeah, I don't expect, you know, that to be, I don't expect that to happen necessarily because, as you said, he's 19 years old. It, It is not fair to put any expectations on him. I I think that he's, you know, probably going to spend at least half a season in Maine, if not more. And, and his arrival means that either JD Davidson or, you know, Cabin Gale or both, you know, may not be back. I think Davidson, we're going to talk about summer league in a minute. I think he's on the roster, but yeah, I think, you know, definitely, we're not going to see both of those guys back in Maine. I think Davison could, could be on, on the team this year. So that maybe, you know, we, we get Walsh to take Davison's spot there and, and um, maybe he gets a little bit of time at the beginning or at the end of the season. Who knows? Yeah, I definitely see, again, we'll talk about it, but Davison being that Peyton Pritchard fourth guard role and getting him some spot minutes. Uh, but like you said, he'll probably mainly be in Maine um, learning and developing there. So the Celtics moving forward in the draft for everybody that's that's tracking. Um, we next year have our own first round pick and Golden States, which is only protected to the top four. And I think we own all of our draft uh, first round picks going forward. We owe some second round picks. In 24, Charlotte gets our pick. In 25, uh, either OKC or Orlando will get our second-round pick. In 26 and 27, and we also uh, are sending out our seconds. And then we have a pick swap with the Spurs in 28, which we thought we might be giving them and getting theirs. But now with Wembiana, who knows, by two, by 2028. But, again, we've got – Four future second round picks coming in, and we have two first round picks next year. So the Celtics look a lot better going forward fiscally as well as from a draft standpoint. And I know Mike Zarin had a hand in that and is probably feeling pretty good about what he can do from a trading standpoint moving forward. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options with the picks that we have. It's going to be something that's definitely needed as the trade chip and being able to keep the players that we have on the roster, again, with the tight payroll that we're going to have going forward. Now, I I don't uh, really like to talk about other teams because I really don't like very many of them. Um, Like most of you, I am now a Celtics in the East Grizzlies in the West and the Clippers, you know, I, I, if I make a trip out uh, with my military duties to the West coast, I may go to, uh, you, you know, Marina Del Rey and the Clippers facility there and try to drop a, try to drop a deuce in, in their, you know, on the center court of their practice facility uh, just to, to, to damn them for causing us to lose uh, Marcus smart. But you know what? it may have actually worked out better for the Celtics. I'm going to, I'm going to say that everything happens for a reason, but I don't really care what a lot of the other teams do only in the sense that it could affect our ability to win the championship. Did you think that any of the teams in the East had draft picks that were, where you just kind of went, Oh man, we don't need, we didn't need that to happen. Um, and you know, I, I do think that the UCLA kid that the Heat got is going to help them. Um, but, you know, I always look at what Philadelphia and New York are doing, Toronto. Um, what were your impressions 
after Wembiana went, uh, as far as which teams helped themselves to compete against us, um, was there anything that you, any other impressions besides what Brad did that that really uh, your takeaways? Uh, from the East, no, not really. I don't. I think the West really benefited from from the draft. Um, so not really. I think anybody who was drafted from an Eastern Conference team were teams that were kind of on the outside looking in and they could possibly be in the play-in or a six, seven, eight seed uh, potentially next year, but nothing that those top four, the Bucks, the Sixers, the Heat, uh, none of those teams did anything that may, was a wow factor for me and is, is scaring me going into this season. There was there were a couple things that I that I saw. First of all, our former coach Ime Udoka getting Amen Thompson, who you know is a very highly regarded player, and then having Cam Whitmore of Villanova, who is athletically a freak but may have some laziness and combine you know issues. But getting them both, Whitmore was projected to go as high as four, and they got two guys that were projected to be top five picks. So Yudoka's probably very pleased with what he did. You mentioned, okay, maybe you're not worried about, you know, Jaime Jaquez of the UCLA Bruins going to the Heat, but the fact that Portland took Scoot Henderson and did not trade the pick could mean that Damian Lillard may eventually end up with the Heat before this season is over. So I heard a report that Lillard met with Portland and they're all in on staying together for right now. I definitely do not want him traded to the East, especially not the heat. So as of right now, I'm comfortable with what Portland is doing on their end and surrounding him for some reason with other young bucks who are guards with Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson. Uh, I believe they're bringing back uh, Jeremy Grant as well. So I'm interested to see how that plays out going into the trade deadline. But I'm just happy for right now. Lillard is a blazer, and he's not out east. Well, right now, but we have seen these things. I mean, Anthony Davis, we heard rumors for years. And then, you know, LeBron makes his power move. I never underestimate the ability of Pat Riley or the the you know the sneakiness of NBA franchises. I I think you're right that today, and, and what is what is the date today? June 28th. That Damian Lillard is still committed to the Blazers, but I it may be a wait and see thing. I think he wants you know Grant to be re-signed, but I think he also wants Anthony Simons and or Shaden Sharp dealt to bring him another player. And, you know, so whoever that player is, he's probably sitting there looking at Utah. You know, he, he was in the lottery looking up at 10 teams that were in the at least the play in and postseason tournament. Utah wasn't even one of those teams. Now they've added a piece in John Collins, and he's got to be saying, well, who are we going to get? I mean, Scoot Henderson is a kid. He is a child by comparison. So he wants – Simons looks like the odd man out. Who are they going to get? And there are teams who are trying to get away from this oppressive CBA. So maybe Portland can add another piece and keep Damien Lillard for another season. We can hope. If he does go to the East, I would personally, even though it's in our division, I would rather see him go to Brooklyn. Could he go to Boston? I mean, is that that preposterous – to think that that's a huge ask. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I, I wouldn't mind him seeing, uh, I wouldn't mind him going to the nets. I think that'd be an awesome fit with bridges and cam, but I don't think the heat have anything to send to Portland to go get him. I don't well, think they have the, enough. They're lukewarm on Tyler hero. I like Tyler hero. Uh, it's not only, you know, he's, he's a very good basketball player. And we know from 
you know, I, it's not only my favorite Jack Harlow song, but also I think, you know, he's, he is a baller. He is a, a guy that can facilitate a little bit. He's easily a 20 point per game scorer, but he's not Damian Lillard. I don't think you can replace a guy of Lillard's offensive explosiveness with Tyler Hero and not be burned in effigy by the Blazers fans. They're lukewarm on him. And, you know, this is one of this is kind of like the Pau Gasol trade or the or the uh Anthony Davis trade where if you're not giving up one of your stars and you're getting a guy like Lillard, then it's highway robbery. If they're not going to give up Bama Adebayo in that trade, then that's going to be really bad news for the Celtics and everybody else in the East. And so I am pulling for the Blazers to get a veteran in there. And, and of course, it would be bad for the Lakers and everybody else in the West if they could get another piece to add to what they have. And I do think Scoot Henderson will contribute some as a rookie, but they need another veteran to keep him out of South Beach. Final thoughts this segment? And that's the biggest issue is who is player X that's available for them to go get. We don't know. We've heard rumors of Paul George being available, but we just don't know who's out there and available to be moved to join that team. And for right now, I'm just happy he's a blazer on June 28th. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk free agency when we come back. We're just hours away from the period where Teams can negotiate with free agents and possibly reveal that they've been tampering with free agents. So when we come back, we'll discuss free agency. We'll discuss Grant Williams. You are listening to the Lucky's Lounge Boston Celtics fan fanatic podcast. We'll be right back in just a couple seconds. Thanks. Welcome back to Lucky's Lounge. And before we get to Lucky's List, our three items of the week, I, I want to start a new segment here called Lucky's Heroes, where we give shout outs to members of our armed forces and first responders and folks who are diehard Celtic fans. And uh, this first one is actually somebody that I've met and know pretty well. And um, he is uh, actually down in Newport at our base there. Command Master Chief Joe Farney, a season ticket holder. He, Of course, he works in Newport. And his son, Midshipman Third Class Colby Farney, who is probably listening to this podcast uh, down in Camp Lejeune. I think he's doing a Midshipman cruise with the U.S. Marines. Uh, but those are two Celtic diehards, one who's served his country well over 25 years and another who made the decision to raise his right hand and in a, in a few years will be commissioned as an ensign in the Navy or a second lieutenant in the Marines. So hats off to those lucky heroes and, and, and all members, whether they're Celtics fans or not, even Laker fans, if, if you're serving our nation, we here at Lucky's Lounge are, are very appreciative of your efforts. And, and Guillermo, I think you have members in your family as well who, who serve in the military. That is correct. Huge shout out to the gentlemen serving in our front lines. Truly appreciate you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, truly appreciate you guys doing what you do on a daily basis to keep us safe. Um, sh again, to everybody out there, um, like my brother who's in the U.S. Army, truly appreciate you guys. All right. Now, Lucky's List, three items on the list, and the first one is the one that everybody is thinking about, and everybody's got their salary cap charts, hoops hype, real GM, all of it. In just several hours from now, whether you're listening to this on Friday morning on your way to work or you're a late-night candle burner on Thursday night, in the next several hours, NBA teams will be allowed to negotiate and even announce deals for free agency starting Thursday afternoon. So free agency, we are on the eve of free agency. It's upon us. And there is a lot of talk about a couple of guys from the failed super team, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. There's a lot of talk about them. But for the Celtics, can the Celtics do anything? And we have, you know, signed a, a 
you know, Kristaps Porzingis opted into a deal, so he is ours for the next season. But we do have a very important free agent, and that is Grant Williams, Guillermo. Yeah, Grant Williams, I would love to have him back. I don't know how he would fit with the new CBA, but it's definitely a player I would love to have back on this team, especially with the loss of a Marcus Smart. There are other players out there that, again, I think may be out of the price tag for the Celtics, but who would be a great fit. Someone who's a Boston native like a Bruce Brown, who just won a championship with the Denver Nuggets. Um, Christian Wood, I think he's a terrific player who was also on the Mavericks with Kyrie and Luka. Josh Hart, Mm -hmm. I think, would be a terrific fit as well. He has heart, no pun intended. And he's a free agent. I think that's pretty much a given that Thibodeau and the Knicks are going to lock him up. Uh, yep, I could definitely see him going back to the Knicks. A lot of people are talking about Derrick Rose. I wouldn't mind seeing Derrick Rose here in a third, fourth point guard option. You know, that is a guy that we could probably get for the minimum that could provide, you know, again, as you pointed out, we're not going to get one player that can do what Marcus Smart did. But Derek White is an all-defensive team defender. He's a versatile guy that can that can hit threes. Malcolm Brogdon is a leader. He is a guy that can score. He can do some things. And Derek Rose could be a guy, a former MVP, that that has a little bit of a voice in the locker room. Who knows? There's a couple former Celtics out there that I wouldn't mind bringing back. A Jay Crowder, a Jason, uh, Jason Richardson. Bringing, bringing them back and being in green, I think those they would be key contributors as well. Or even, again, with the wing depth, Kelly Oubre or a Torrey Craig, I think is definitely something that we need on this team. So the Celtics do have, by virtue of the four trades that we made on draft night, a potential $5 million slot that we could use to bring in one of those players. I think Jay Crowder's probably going to return to the Bucks, but some of those other names are very, very intriguing. Now, as far as the Celtics free agents, we control Peyton Pritchard. And as we saw with the departure of Marcus Smart, he could be a guy that gets more minutes under this. Mike Muscala is a free agent. Uh, the Celtics, though, have a team option on him. If they bring him back, that would be three and a half million dollars. We are a tax paying team. Okay. So any deal that we sign it's whatever the amount is essentially doubled grant williams is a restricted free agent the celtics have given him the qualifying offer of 6.235 million dollars and i've heard that there are several teams as many as a dozen teams that are interested in him but keep in mind many of those teams have the same issues under the new cba that we do one of the teams that I've heard is potentially interested in him is the Indiana Pacers. They don't have a lot of money right now over the cap. In fact, I think they have money to spend. So it's possible that a team like Indiana could throw a 12 or even $15 million, I think that's about Grant's value, contract at him. And if the Celtics were to match, and they can match any offer that he gets, they could potentially be paying Grant Williams, let's say, $12 million a year. That could end up being $30 million a year out of Wick Grusbeck's pocket. Are they going to do that, Guillermo? I don't see that happening. I don't see them reaching for Grant Williams. Muscala was actually part of the Wizards trade, so he's on Okay, the so he's gone. So Muscala is gone, and so that means that – Basically, the Celtics with with Porzingis in the fold have got a current team salary of about $173 million. That's well over the cap by $37 million. They're about $8 million over the tax. And so that's they're paying $13-plus million into the tax fund. Teams like the Atlanta Hawks are dumping – good players to get into some of that tax money because 
all of these teams like the Warriors, the Warriors are huge taxpayers. They're trying to add Draymond Green. You know, teams that can get into the budget bin, they're going to get huge payouts from the taxpayers. And if Grant Williams is going to cost us $30 million and, you know, including the tax, maybe his his days as a Celtic could be over. And that means, you know, if we're trading to a team like the Pacers who are under the cap, we could get assets in that deal instead of losing him for nothing. That is true. I I do anticipate a sign and trade and getting something back, whether it be more second round picks. Uh, so we'll see what the Pacers or whoever X team goes after Grant uh, offers him and what we could possibly get in return. He was at Gillette. Uh, at a function and wants to be a Celtic, but is leaving that in the hands of his agents and Brad. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. I would love to have Grant back and be a piece and possibly another starter rotation that we can have with the bigs to, again, alleviate their minutes and workload this season. Well, let me try this because it clearly did not work out in our maiden voyage, but Grant Williams is not safe, okay? Grant Williams <laughs> uh, is not safe, everybody. I'll repeat that again. Uh, but we would love to have him. I think Brad Stevens and Joe Mazzula would love to have him. And I think his teammates, he is well-liked. I mean, these guys were going to Joe and saying, look, you need to play Grant in that Miami series. Yes. So he's somebody that is very capable. He's very versatile. He can knock down corner threes. He can guard, you know two through five, and uh, we'd love to have him back at the right number. And if we can't, we'll probably get assets for him. Uh, any other thoughts on on free agency? Do the Sixers bring back Harden? I think they do. Is Mark Cuban going to cave to Kyrie Irving's demands, or does he somehow find his way to the Lakers? No, I think Kyrie stays uh, with Dallas. I think a couple other intriguing names that I wanted to throw and get your opinion on is a Joe Ingles or Seth Curry. How do you feel about them and their fit? And even the other names I named, how do you, do you like any of those names that aren't too sexy, aren't too big name, but will give us the depth we need with this team? Well, uh, I love both of those guys. I, I am a huge Joe Ingles fan, and I think the analytics love him. He is, he can do a lot of things, believe it or not. He's, I think he's kind of underrated as a defender. He's big. He can shoot the three and I think he can pass somewhat. I've heard, you know, that Kevin Love could be available. Now he looked like he was on his last legs defensively. Yeah. Shut but up there's go. a guy that can, that can do some things. He can pass very well. Um, and he can also knock down through. I love Joe Ingles though. That would be a name that I would be, interested in seeing and and so we will we will see if we can add one you can never have too much shooting we've added some with Porzingis and if we could add some from a wing position I think that would be that would be very good for the Celtics um so I, I like those guys as far as the big names I think mostly everybody returns to their team the one big name that could alter things is Fred Van Vliet, it depends where he goes, but he will be, I think, a game changer uh, to the team that picks him up. Okay. All right. Well, we will be watching with bated breath tomorrow. And, of course, next week we'll be, we'll be talking about the balance of power in the East. Did it shift? Did it shift in the West? And what did the Celtics end up doing? Because it's not just free agency there will be trades consummated tomorrow and the Celtics could be part of that. So we could have an even different, you know, more altered roster um, for our next pod, but we'll, we'll have to see. Let's go to item number two on Lucky's list. And we are going to talk about the summer league roster. And um, this is unofficial. And until I see it on Celtics.com, I will not consider it official, but let's go over uh, some of the names. And we'll start with the guys that we currently own or have played in green or 
for the Maine Celtics. And we'll start with J.D. Davison, who will be, I think, getting the majority of the point guard minutes uh, for the summer league team, who I think, I don't think, have they announced who's going to be coaching this team? No, not that I've seen, no. I think it's going to be our guy that was coaching for the Bucks uh, last Charles year. Charles Lee. Char- is it Lee? Yeah. I would, I would guess that he would, he would coach this team. But we'll have J.D. Davison at the point guard. Um, at one of the wing spots, we will have Justin Champigny, who got a cup of coffee at the end of the, the regular season and then actually got some blowout playoff minutes, I think, in, in the, one of the Philadelphia games. And, um, but he's, a, he's a, an intriguing 3-and-D sort of guy. Jordan Walsh will be starting and getting major minutes as well. And then from the main Celtics, Kamar Baldwin, um, another wing player, and um, then the roster is filled out with um, Mike Mulder, a three-point shooting point guard, definitely an older player. He last played for the Sioux Falls Skyforce in the G League, a guy who um, is definitely um, a guy that Brad looked at, a, a three-point shooting specialist. He has kind of one of the more unfortunate names in the NBA Jay Scrub, who last played with the Magic. And then uh, we got some size, Alexander Balserowski, who I think is a seven foot one inch Polish center who last played with Gran Canaria in Spain. And Reggie Kisunlau, who also played center for Maine last year. Rounding out the roster, Eugene Herman, who played in China last year, another point guard. And um, Vincent Valerio Bodon, who is a, um, a another wing player. Am I missing? And Justin Bean, who played for Memphis in the G League last year. What are your thoughts on this roster? Who are you excited to see? And do any of these guys have a chance of wearing Kelly Green next year? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm excited for definitely J.D. Davidson. I want to see his growth and what he can show us in the summer league, his pop. I want to see his literal growth. I heard some of the players like <laughs> right. Grant Williams, other joking that he's grown. Yeah. Cause remember we drafted this guy, I think also at 19 years of age. Um, he's listed at, is he listed at six, three? I forget, but did he grow or is that just the fro? Um, and then what has he added to his game? Correct. I'm also wanted to see what Justin Champigny can bring offensively and if he can get some spot minutes with the Celtics going forward. We have Sam Hauser, but again, we, we need that roster depth. Can he get some minutes when the Jays need to sit down? I'm also definitely excited about Alexander and the size that he brings, can he be that fourth center, like a cornet that we had on the roster? Um, that Again, the depth is the key going forward with the Celtics team. I definitely want to see Jordan Walsh against the rest of the players that were drafted that used to play on, uh, on his team, uh, Nick Smith Jr., uh, Anthony Black. Let's see what you can do against your former teammates and the rest of the guys that were drafted. Yeah, Balcharovsky, who played in the ACB, which is, I think, the the second-best league in the world. I would put it above the G League, certainly, um, is 22 years of age. He shot 62% from the field and in 16 minutes a game averaged nine points and three and a half rebounds. So he is uh, somebody that, you know, Austin Ainge and the Celtics front office has been looking at um, for, a, you know, a couple years at least, um, it, it has been reported that, that, uh, they tried to add him into the summer league last season. So they get, you know, that's the beauty of the summer league. They get, you can get looks at players and see how they play against NBA caliber athletes, maybe not NBA caliber basketball players, but putting them against athletes and putting them in, in these sort of NBA schemes and see how they defend against some of these players. So I too am intrigued by Balcharovsky. 
Um, Jordan Walsh has me, you know, haggling with the wife about whether or not we'll go to Vegas this year. Uh, when I was stationed in California, we would go to Vegas every year to catch two or three summer league games. I was at technically the first game that Jason Tatum played in a Celtic Jersey. And it was actually against Lonzo ball and the Lakers, um, which was a, a, a pretty exciting. There was a lot of buzz around that game, but I, I, you know, Jordan Walsh has me wanting to make that trek out uh, from Nebraska to go, you know, go out there. And my wife's like, well, what airline would we fly? And I'm like, uh, Kia Optima. <laughs> so I don't know if, uh, I don't know if we're going to make it out and drive the 16, the 16 hours. Um, but that uh, is, uh, leads us to our, our next uh, item on Lucky's list, item number three. Before we do that though, um, you just texted me this breaking news that Kristaps Porzingis is going to play for his home country, Latvia, in the FIBA World Cup. Is that this summer? Yes, that is this summer. Okay, well, uh, I have seen that Victor Wembiana, I think, is not going to play. He pulled out for, for France. France. Yeah. Okay, and, and see, here's the thing with some of the with some of these players and I'm a very patriotic individual. I mean, for those, you know, captain Ron Flanders is not like some, you know, title that I, you know, get just that I got at a bar. I mean, I am currently serving in the Navy. I, I'm very patriotic. I will do anything for my country. Um, These players are very similar, not so much American players. American players aren't really into that anymore. They used to be, but not anymore. Now it's all about, you know, getting their their dollars up, whether that's doing endorsements or, you know, whatever. But they don't want to get hurt because their NBA career is all they care about. Not so much for European players. Uh, Luka Doncic and, um, you know, he plays for Slovenia, I believe, with Goran Dragic. Those guys are very big on playing. In Europe, we saw Danilo Gallinari last year basically ruin his Celtic career by getting hurt playing for Italy in the European Championships. And uh, I think Giannis has played for Team Greece. I don't know if he's playing this year, but I'm very concerned about this news that Porzingis will be playing for Latvia. Yeah, I'm not too fond of his choice of doing that, but that is his choice. But I can respect it. Correct. 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 I mean, Uh, this means everything, especially, I mean, when you're talking about teams like Spain, you know, and Germany and France, I mean, Wembiana, okay, well, you know, and Canada now, Canada's got a lot of NBA star power, Jamal Murray, Andrew Wiggins, you know, they've got a lot of stars in the NBA, but a team like Italy with Gallinari last year and now, you know, Latvia, these are not NBA laden teams, but a player like the unicorn can, can get them wins and maybe get them into the medal round. Who knows? Yeah. I just want to protect the unicorn at all costs. And I'm going to find that seven foot three inch long uh, bubble wrap so that we can get him protected. But, you know, for, for those of you, you know, Religious Celtic fans, I mean, get your rosaries out. Start praying for his health because we, you know, Gallinari, who knows if Danilo Gallinari is suiting up, if our three-point percentage isn't vastly different in that Miami series if we don't win a game that we lose there. You know, I mean, these kind of things can have a devastating impact. And this isn't a role player like Gallo. This is one of the centerpieces now of the 2024 Boston Celtics final item on Lucky's lounge. I just wanted to, we've probably gone a little long already, but I wanted to talk about summer league and how it has changed. I mean, I remember going to the summer pro league in long beach, California, and there would be like 10 teams there. And they were all from the Western conference, like the Pacific division teams. And a lot of the teams in the league were like, free agent teams that were filled out by agents and there would be other summer pro leagues. I mean, we had one in Boston uh, for a season or two. Orlando has had them. Utah has had them. They may still have 
a Salt Lake City version or whatever. But now all 30 NBA teams are in Las Vegas, which you would think is not a good place to bring a 19-year-old with, <laughs> you know, who's now suddenly got $20,000 of cash in his pocket. Um, and yet it works. And it has been such a boon for the NBA. It has been a cash cow. But it also gives us here in New England or or you know Celtic fans all over the world the opportunity to watch every single game. It didn't used to be that way, but now with NBA TV and ESPN2 and all these things, I mean, you can see Jordan Walsh pretty much play 75% of his games um, on cable. I mean, that's, that's really, and then uh, you could probably pay to see the other 25%. Pretty cool. Yeah. We're all turned into these mini scouts now where we can (laughs) see players that we don't really know or haven't really seen. And, Oh, I want that guy on my team. Oh, that guy plays really well and see what they can contribute on the basketball court. I'm definitely excited to watch the four games that are slated for the Celtics. And probably watch more than just that, being a basketball head that I am, to see those players and what they can contribute uh, on the floor. You know, next year, and just write this down, I don't know where the military is going to send me next summer, but part of it, part of the move will include you and I going to Las Vegas. Another cool thing about Las Vegas is the fans do get sometimes a chance to meet you know, like Panini or one of these companies will allow, you know, fans to 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 get to meet some of these draft picks. Um, and I have got a lot of summer league stories and maybe I'll share some on a future episode. But, you know, you, you meet people like Steve Bullpet or, you know, the Tatum family or or whatever. You know, a couple of years ago, I met Greg Kite at summer league and that was a chance to, you know, go back into Celtic past and and talk, compare the players of today to some of the the great Celtic teams, but it has really grown. I'm excited about it. But before we get to summer league tomorrow, free agency, we know you'll all be watching and we know you'll be listening to Lucky's lounge next week to break down maybe the final roster for the Celtics. Maybe not, but there is a very good chance. We will have something to talk about next week on Lucky's lounge on behalf of Guillermo Diaz. I'm Ron Flanders. Thank you Celtics fanatics to tuning in to the official podcast for unhealthily fanatical Celtic fans. We will see you next Wednesday night on Lucky's Lounge. Have a great week.